Hello and welcome to a very special edition of Blossom. Uh, no, 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 no. This is not Blossom. What are you talking about? This isn't even NBC. This isn't even in the 1980s. This is the 50th edition of the Driving You Crazy podcast, number 50. I, I thought there was going to be more wooing and whooping. We did it. I thought there were more <laughs> clapping and wooing and whooping. Um, I was too busy trying to figure out what Blossom was. Apparently a <laughs> 1980s show on NBC. Uh, yes, yes, it certainly was. And Blossom was always, well, having special episodes. I was thinking about pulling out some of the best segments and rants from the 49 previous episodes, Joseph, but that was way too much work for me. Uh, besides, really, if you want to hear the best moments, you should just go back and listen to them all in order. Yes, that's probably a good idea. And you can sound, hear how bad we sounded at the very beginning. Do you remember when we recorded that first episode into my phone using those two lavalier mics and I had this rig set up where I could plug them into my phone? You know what's funny is I had forgotten about that, blocked it out of my memory <laughs> until now, sitting on a bar stool at a fake kitchen counter. Yeah, it was before they turned it into the big green room, which is that new virtual studio now where they have a camera system that's on a track and the room is nearly all green. Uh, it's a big, uh, they, they built this special walls and, and up along the wall. I mean, the whole thing is green, so it's like this virtual studio deal. I can't, I can't imagine how much they spent on that. The camera system is worth a ton of dough. Uh, James Cameron actually rents it in his spare time to film the Avatar sequel. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, we would have been just fine using maybe a couple of percent of the project dollars that came out of that and funneled it into this program here. Even just a couple of percent would, would help us out a ton. To be frank, if they could raise, say, $1.5 million, I have a lot of ideas for what how they could build <laughs> a very nice state-of-the-art sure. podcasting studio. Because, yeah, we, well, look, we have gotten much better. The recordings have gotten better. Uh, I think, though, it would be still better yet if we had our own little studio, our, our special-only podcast studio. We could have some better mics. We could have a real audio mixer where we could mix things as it's happening right now. That would help out a ton. Uh, we could have, I, I, I don't know, we could have... A soundboard. There you go. We could we, have wacky noises that play at various times whenever Jason feels like hitting the button. We could have better airflow. That would be nice. Because it, <laughs> it gets kind of warm and sticky in this Shoebox studio. Yeah. That, that, until we get our first big named real big sponsor, which will never happen... Uh, uh, that, then, then I think <laughs> then we could get all that stuff we want, right? I don't know. Well, I guess we'll trot onto this little recording booth. It's fine for now, and we'll continue driving you crazy for fifty more wild Rockas episodes. Yeah. So instead of looking back at some of the special episodes that we've had so far, which you can do right here on uh, any of your uh, you know most favorite podcast apps, uh, we will just have a regular show. Because we don't feel, honestly, like going back and putting all that stuff together at the moment. Because it's too much work. There you have it. All right. Well, Sydney, Australia, Joseph, we'll have a fairy, a new one. It's going to be named Fairy McFairyface. Okay. <laughs> Hundreds okay. of people nominated the name in a survey that asked locals to name a fleet of six new ferries for the city's harbor. Last year, a British uh, poll voted to name a research vessel Bodie McBoatface. That is on the heels of the Swedish train named Trainy McTrainface and the Australian racehorse named Horsey McHorseface. <laughs> Y'all internet trolls need to calm down. I love it. Too much time on your hands. These names should not keep getting through. How would you feel if you were a regal ferry driver in the country of Australia 
and your steed was Ferry McFerry. I would love it. I would love to drive the boat called Ferry McFerry Face. Shameful Australia. (laughs) But I still think Boaty McBoatface is still one of the best ones. It was so unexpected when it was Boney McBoatface. Now we have, I guess you'd call them knockoff McFaces. Uh, Maybe I should call my car Kari McCarface. (laughs) I'm a fan. Uh, all right, so this story is so great. There was that couple, uh, I'm sure you heard of this, this couple that was on a flight from Doha to Bali, and when the guy fell asleep, the woman took his thumb to mm. unlock his phone, mm. and that's when she found out that he was cheating on her, and the flight attendants were unable to calm her down because she was repeatedly repeatedly hitting her husband, causing the pilots to make the decision to make an emergency landing in India. How badly was this woman freaking out on this guy that they had to land the plane early? The son of a gun had it coming. <laughs> yes, he did. That's all I'm saying. Uh, and once on the ground, the couple and their child, they were with child, were removed from the plane. The family spent the day at the airport until the woman, who was reportedly drunk, say it isn't so, sobered up and they could catch another flight. No police action do, was taken. Do we really think she overreacted here? No, I don't. I think she was completely in the Not, right. Exactly. Right full rights to do that never fall asleep with your phone on you that's well, i guess that's not, clearly but, the lesson here but that's the thing she was probably waiting for this perfect opportunity where she knew that his phone was going to be right there he was going to be right there he was going to fall asleep then again she's doing it at thirty-five thousand feet well i mean they had a child together you know what i mean maybe she was just trying to get on the phone to pick out her favorite movie no, uh, to watch yeah. moana perhaps perhaps and she just stumbled into the text messages yes yeah, so all of a sudden you're just fumbling for i don't know your video uh folder my- and then you just all of a sudden ooh, there's text messages from a girl named shailene my thumb slipped <laughs> rats yeah i thought it was so good all right we've talked about the potential for colorado to get the hyperloop and while that's still on track, we're getting something much sooner that is inspired by the Hyperloop. Brogan Bam Brogan. Yep, that's his real name. And he, and to me, when I watched the uh, press conference yesterday, he looks just like what you would think a guy with the name Brogan Bam Brogan would look like. He looks like David Spade's character in Joe Dirt with a nice <laughs> haircut and a business suit. And then he was wearing his leather jacket on top of it. Yes. He's the founder and CEO of Arivo, and he announced a deal with the Colorado Department of Transportation to develop a network throughout Denver that looks an awful like the maglev train systems now running in Japan and China. Now, Arivo has made a fundamental change to the real Hyperloop. It's dumping the vacuum and accepting that it's just going to have to push through the air. Bam Brogan says the vacuum tube is just too expensive to make it worth trying, So that means these pods will max out at around 200 miles an hour. And that's fine, according to Arrival, because they will focus on these short, direct routes between 10 and 60 miles. How do you get up to 200 miles an hour if you're just going 10 miles? Unless you're, I mean, acceleration is going to be in the... 5G's and nobody can put or up you're, with that. Yeah, that's just it. Either you're going to have insane acceleration or you're just not going to be able to do that. They say the real value is going point to point with no traffic. They also say the system will be cheaper to build and to maintain. My, my first thought about this is, ooh, it's another train. We already have that. We have trains that take you from here to there. We ha- the Hyperloop is, is supposed to be a game changer because it's supposed to go longer distances and much higher speeds and transport not only maybe people, but also goods 
and that sort of thing. Right. Well, and your problem is still first mile, last mile, right? Yes. I mean, it's wonderful that the train is going to get me from Denver to Boulder in six minutes, right? But if it still takes me 15 minutes to get on my bike or to walk to the nearest train station and 20 minutes after that when I get off the train to get to my destination, that's still a 50-minute commute. And guess what? It's the same distance in my car. I know. And it's... It, and unless they do, because we already have the train system around town, it basically is following the highway system. I've never understood why you put a train right along the same highways that people drive on. Shouldn't they go in other uh, other areas, neighborhoods, and that sort of thing where they're taking it to pe- places that you that you need to go? I would say yes to that. I, I mean, obviously, in some cases in this state in particular, the highway is built in the most convenient location possible, and there's not really a secondary option for you, right? But you're saying in in the Hyperloop's case, it should be built, what, like a mile east or well, west yeah, of the like highway? This, yeah, for this thing, uh, it, maybe we should build them all like along the side streets, like put one along Colfax, put one along Mississippi, put one along university put put them along some more of the major streets instead of along the highways Mm -hmm. you know that way you can cover maybe some of the other areas that are not served by our current light rail system and then bus system right so arrival plans to start with this test site that's going to run along e470 the toll highway because they have a bunch of land up by 96th avenue they're not using in one of their old toll plazas up there so the company says they're going to build this engineering and technology center out there in Aurora, add 200 employees in the next couple of years, and they're going to start with this feasibility study in the hopes of having a commercial system running in four to five years. So Bam Brogan, he wants to focus on connecting areas within cities with a variety of these pods that will carry people or cargo or whatever. Each pod will mm-hmm. carry whatever stuff they want it to carry. And one version would ferry your entire car from point A to point B. So you would drive your car, I guess, into the pod, or it'd be encased in a pod of some sort, and then your pod is, bam, gone to the next destination. I mean, like, it just looks ridiculous on its face, right? <laughs> yeah. It, it looks like something that can't possibly exist within the infrastructure that we already have built in Denver. Especially since he wants the rides to cost about ten bucks, ten to fifteen dollars. Correct. I, I really hope this works, but then again, are we going to have just a whole bunch of these? Like at Disney World, they have that monorail deal. Everybody thinks the monorail. You know what the monorail is? It's a train on a on, on a. Correct. With, yeah, it's a, on one thing. It, that's all it is. It's not really all that revolutionary. Yes. I I don't know why people think that, oh, it's a monorail. Well, I think to your point, if we're going to build something that runs parallel to the highway, we already have trains. So are you talking about retrofitting the current train infrastructure to support arrivals? Because that's a good idea. If you're talking about building an entirely new infrastructure system, that's a bad idea. We haven't paid off the last one yet. Fast Tracks isn't projected to finish for another 25 years at this point. And so we're still going to be paying for that 25 years from now. And now you're talking about putting in a system that makes all the fast tracks improvements obsolete so that you can have the Batmobile running around the city. Yeah, so you have, instead of, I guess, one train system, we'll have more train systems. A lot of trains. Everybody, it's all about trains. I mean, but having said that, if if the A-line was an arrivo, and all of a sudden I can get from Union Station to the airport in 10 minutes instead of 50... 
I'm counting that as a win. That sounds fantastic. But that's going from point A to point B without stopping. Right. The problem with the A line is, and with people in general, you need to stop along the way to pick up the people that aren't living just in downtown or just out by the airport want to go just between those two spots. Right. They might want to go some places along that. Like if I wanted to go take the train to the airport, I would stop. At the uh, Ridgegate station, that's eventually going to be constructed here in the next uh, couple of years. It'll be let's say let's say Lincoln Station. Okay. So I go from there, and then I have to go up to 225, and all the way up to that, and meet it with the A line thing because I think that train goes up that way, and then jump on the next train that goes out to DIA. It's going to take me over an hour to get up there. I don't know. I find the A line very serene, so I will I will take the additional time on the trip in order to just chill out on the A-line. I find trains fun. I find things like that fun. The other thing I wanted to point out about the Arrivo is it looks like in all these sketches, the thing is the size of a car. I mean, I don't see how this model, as they've presented it thus far, translate to true mass transit, where you're talking about eight or nine cars all strung together. Right now, it looks like they can only send one tiny car on these tracks, and that's what me and you. But I think if they sent, let's say we're in a train car and we're gone, zing, 30 seconds later, they could send the next one, then the next one, then the next one. So they could probably put them, like we've talked about with the autonomous cars, they could probably put them closer together because they're all going to the same spot. It's kind of like a uh, a gondola-type system that takes you up to the top of the ski hill. Right. I think these people, <laughs> these people are counting on us, the media, and the people of Colorado to have a really short memory. Because Bam Brogan says that we're going to have commercial versions of this within four to five years where I can buy a ticket for $10 and get from Denver to Boulder in six minutes. And call me in 2022. Let's see if that's a reality at that point. I'm very curious to see if they can work on this timetable that they've set out for themselves. Yeah, especially since they want to go to short distances. But I don't want to go all the way up just to Greeley and then be dropped off in downtown Greeley. What am I going to do there? Same thing in Fort Collins. It's always, it's just. <laughs> to all our listeners in Greeley and Fort Collins, we're sorry. We didn't mean it. Trains. Ugh, I'm back to my one-word rants. That's what, that's what Lisa always says. He goes, you're just into one-word ramps. And I just, I do. I just walk around yelling, trains. Usually those words are expletives. No, not all the time. Usually just things. And a scene that's literally plucked out of an episode of the new season of Curb Your Enthusiasm. A St. Louis man says he was ticketed after honking at a police officer who was stopped at a green light. Now, Scott Smith and two of his co-workers, they were returning to work after lunch when they were stopped at a red light. When the light turned green, he says the vehicle in front of him, an unmarked police car, as it turns out, he didn't know that at the time, it, it wasn't moving. So this is Scott's account of what happened. He says, the light turned green and the car in front of me just sat there. So I honked once and he started to scoot forward, then just like hit his brakes real hard. So I honked again and he started to go forward and kind of threw his arms up, but wasn't really moving, still just blocking the way. So then I just laid on the horn for a minute as he slowly crept forward and (laughs) right as he got through the intersection, he kind of pulled into the far left lane. He says then he was not yet aware that the person in the car was a police officer, but after the car pulled over and he was able to pass, the officer pulled right behind him, turned on the flashing lights, and at that point, Smith pulled out his phone and began recording, setting it on his dashboard so he could get the audio. Now, it's clear from the audio that the officer is upset, and I tried to bleep out the numerous bad words. So here here is that uh, audio. Listen to this. Seriously? Seriously, is your horn stuck? Is your brace stuck? Is your stuck? fucking horn stuck, smartass? What the fuck is this? What the fuck 
is this? Let me see your driver's license. This is f***ed up. Good, let me see your driver's license. I will. For what? Let Honking? me see your driver's For license. For what? For what? I'll tell you what, you're gonna either show me your driver's license or you're gonna wind up getting a ticket. I'll tow your car and lock it. For you what? Let me see your driver's license. For what? You're being stopped for a traffic violation. Let me for see your honking license. at someone who's sitting at a green light? Fucking ridiculous. Sorry, what you just said? I said this is fucking ridiculous. Well, you know what? Maybe you shouldn't be a fucking asshole. <laughs> you're you sitting stupid. at a green light. I have to go back to work. Really? Yeah, really. I hope you're not in a hurry because you're gonna be delayed for a little while. <laughs> cool. Well, the video cuts off at this point as the officer goes back so back over to his car. Um, first impression is that young man needs to watch his mouth talking to the <laughs> officer in that way. The officer does too. Uh, he is on a huge power trip right there. Yeah, the kid with the camera phone on him is on a huge. I'm sorry, I did not expect to take this route in this video. But man, that kid, I, like, you're being pulled over. You laid on the horn by your own admission. Yeah, the guy was stopped at a green light, but, like, you cannot treat a police officer that way. That is a situation where you just say, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Now, Scott says when the officer returned, he asked to see his insurance information, uh, which was on his phone, so that's why he had to stop the recording. And soon then, a second unmarked police car arrived at the scene. With two more plainclothes cops showing up, Smith says he could overhear part of their conversation in which the first officer again described him as a smartass. Scott then said the officer spent several minutes discussing the situation while standing behind his car. Eventually, a third cop arrived, this one in a clearly marked uh, city police vehicle. The officers who were already on scene spoke with the newly arrived officer after about 45 minutes in total of being pulled over on the side of the road. The original officer approached Scott's car and explained that he's going to be getting a ticket in the mail as the printer that prints the tickets in the city's officer's vehicle was broken. Hmm. I don't think that's even honking at an officer is not really against the law, is it? I mean, why? what law are you breaking by honking at even if it was a marked police car and he was just in traffic? Don't you think that that... I don't know. I, I wouldn't. I would think that you should be moving on, right or not? No. I mean, well, I mean, like, yeah, the officer should probably let it go and drop it, but he's not going to, and that is his prerogative as a police officer who has been put in that position and gone through training in order to have that position. You, I, the the kid is not innocent. The kid is a jerk, and well, that's right. what it comes down to. Like, you, I would be able to excuse it a lot better if the kid did not sound like a jerk in that recording. Now, he says he was still not told what the ticket would be for. During one heated exchange, the officer had met mentioned something about excessive noise coming from his vehicle. But Scott says that he, that he was never, never definitively told what he was charged with. In any case, uh, he feels like the officer was deliberately punishing him by making him late going back to work. And for daring uh, to honk his horn, he said. Now, the officer in that video has been identified as Detective Steve Burrell. He's an investigator with St. Louis's Force in, uh, Investigation Unit, and he has had complaints in the past for excessive force. St. Louis Police Internal Affairs are looking into that incident now, and this is another, though, perfect example to me sometimes of cops thinking that they're way more important than everybody else, 
and and they have more power than everybody else. Some there was a right way for that cop to handle it, and I don't think this was the right way. He could have come. You don't think that the cop could have come up there and said, "Look, I was in a, I'm in a marked car. I was doing some investigation stuff. You know, next time just lay off. Don't lay on the horn like that." And then if this guy still giving him attitude and being a real jerk. Then maybe the officer escalates it at that point. Yeah, you're right. I mean, the cop needs to check himself, not come at the vehicle screaming profanities right out of the gate. I know. They both were. I mean, it was... It was. I it mean, was, obviously, the, the the kid is is torqued off. He doesn't know why he's, he's getting pulled over. Look, this is what the internet has taught me. If two jerks meet and a video is created, <laughs> that doesn't mean either one of them is right. That's exa- That's well said. Thank you. Very well said. Thank you. So coming up, podcasting is an emerging technology that we love and embrace and, and want you to be a part of right here with us. Uh, and people are using it more and more in their cars. I have it set up where I can listen to it in my cars throughout the whole car stereo system there. But do you think it'll ever replace the radio? Oh. Hmm. We have that and much, much more as the Driving You Crazy podcast continues. and you're listening to the Driving You Crazy podcast with Jason Luber. Why should people watch the Denver 7 Morning Show? Because we're funny. Well, at least we think we're funny, right? We make ourselves laugh, so we're hoping by we laughing, you laugh. Is that English? I don't know. But I think you should also watch the Denver 7 Morning Show because Jason wears really short ties. He, he, I mean, they're normal-sized ties, but when he ties it, it's really short. It looks like a little cloud tie. And he's kind of a big guy, so it's, it's fun. you got to tune in and see that. Lisa Hidalgo, only on Denver 7. The challenge is the weather. That's something that I'm still working on. I was reporting in Waco, Texas before this, so my skin is very, very thin. You know, getting out and seeing everything, kind of enjoying all of the landscape around uh, the metro area in particular, I feel like that's the biggest reward because you really didn't, I really didn't get that working in Waco or working in Casper, Wyoming before this. And so uh, that I think is the biggest reward and seeing so many people uh, and their face light up when they see Denver 7 come on scene. A lot of people who say, you know, I'm out here at this event because I saw your report and we were the only ones covering it Exclusively, that's something that I think is very rewarding. Amanda Del Castillo, only on Denver 7. to the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast, available everywhere and anywhere you have a cell phone with some charge left in it and a connection to the World Wide Web. So sorry, Zimbabwe, you probably aren't hearing us right now. But a shout-out to all my fans in Sydney, Australia. I really can't wait to meet you guys. I'm working to set up a meet-and-greet sometime in 2018. What? We, we do? Maybe you could ride Ferry McFerry face <laughs> to that meeting. I think maybe you should have the meeting on the ferry. That's genius, man. I really like where your head's at, though. 
Dateline Springfield, Missouri. Although the license plates are gone and the interior smells like cigarette smoke, a black Toyota Camry is back with its rightful owner, along with some unexpected extras. Taylor Buttry, she's the owner of the vehicle and says there were some receipts for the steak and shake, leftover Little Debbie cakes, and some donut holes there in a car. She says it's like they had a little party in her car while she was working. A bad party if it was steak and shake and donut holes. <laughs> I know. Taylor just finished working a 12-hour shift when she discovered her car had been stolen. Police later found the car, but many of the valuables were ripped off. But the one thing that was left behind may catch the thief. This is why I always say that, well, it's it's police uh, uh, never really catch the really smart ones. They catch the stupid ones. A man left his wallet there in the car. And it was discovered inside the stolen truck. And the picture on the driver's license appeared to be the same man caught on surveillance cameras earlier in that parking lot where the truck was stolen. Police investigating to see if that ID belongs to the thief. This is why you always should put your wallet either on an interior jacket pocket or a pocket with a zipper. Or not bring it. When you steal a vehicle. Or just not steal the vehicle, right? Or just not steal the vehicle. (laughs) (laughs) Can we go back to the fact that they found steak and shake receipts? Yes. I mean, this guy was going out and... This is the classiest car thief I've ever heard of. So I I don't know, why do you steal a car then if he just went to steal the car, just to steal the car and go to steak and shake? Or, I mean, usually don't they steal it for the parts or something? Well, I think he just got sick of taking the bus. And was looking for a little vacation from his daily bus ride and just figured he'd steal a car. And wanted some steak and shake. Yeah. Chicago Mayor Rahm Emanuel, he has never met a tax hike he didn't like. He recently proposed a tax hike on ride-hailing companies like Uber and Lyft with all that money going exclusively into the city's public transit system. The proposal would cost riders 15 cents and they would start next year. And it would be twenty cents in twenty nineteen. So it's just a flat fee that's added to every ride. Every ride. Okay. And that fee would be added to an existing fee of fifty two cents that is already collected from riders using these services. And if it passes, this will be the first ride hailing fee in a US city dedicated then to go to the city's public transit. Where does that original fifty two cent fee go? I don't know. I mean if it's just a fee that's going back to Lyft, the hell with it, you know, like get right. your extra fifteen cents, Chicago. Right. Well, <laughs> maybe so. Maybe that's the. Maybe you don't care about your fifteen cents, but fifteen <laughs> cents is fifteen cents. If I paid a dollar eighty-five for a burger at Wendy's and I paid with two dollars, do you think I care where that diamond nickel go? Why it matters. Research published a study <laughs> that showed services like Uber and Lyft have led to a six percent decline in the use of public transit. Still, the companies have continued to say that they want to be a partner to public transit systems in cities. And from Lyft, they say, we appreciate the mayor working to build a sustainable future for ride-sharing drivers and passengers in Chicago and look forward to continue collaborating on providing safe, convenient, and affordable transportation options for the city. From Uber, they say, when safe and affordable rides are available across every neighborhood, whether it's by train, bus, or rideshare, Chicagoans can get to their jobs or family obligations without having to use their own car. At Uber, we believe that the future of urban transportation will be a mix of public transit and ride-sharing, and that by encouraging residents to use a variety of options, we can all ride together to build a better Chicago. What did Uber even say in that statement? We are here to build a better Chicago. 
Ride Uber. That is a whole paragraph of nothing. They didn't talk <laughs> about the tax. They didn't talk about whether it was a good or a bad idea. They didn't talk about what they're doing for transit in the city. They just said, you keep getting around, Chicago, and we're here to help you build it. That what That's what makes the best spokespeople. They always talk around the oh issue and never to the issue. That is remarkable. Isn't it? Excellent work from Uber. As usual, the faceless giant that is just there to help you get from point A to point B. Gina keeps threatening me by saying that she finds she sees all right, there's this uh, job website in Denver. Uh, this guy I know uh, friends with, his name is Andrew Hudson. And he has this uh, this job board, okay? So if you're looking for a job in, in Colorado or in Denver, this is like one of the best places to go. Okay. And so she, she gets these daily or these, you know, weekly, whatever, you know, lists of jobs and things. And she always threatens me, so I'm going to apply this for you. And she, it's, most of them are like PR jobs or public, you know, spokesperson jobs, that kind of thing. Look, I, I love you, man. You cannot put together a paragraph of nonsense quite the way that guy did. <laughs> no, I couldn't. <laughs> that is a master class. That man should win PR person of the year i know i because that, that my problem with being a pr guy is that i would tell it too straight the way it is exactly you're and, too authentic yes and i don't know if a company there might be companies that like that i think there would be other companies that don't i think your boy brogan bam brogan would be down oh yeah oh yeah i go for bam brogan <laughs> let's go baby you need somebody to talk uh, about your little project there that's that big ticket sponsor we were looking for there you go uh and but you know like i've said before with, with any kind of tax whatever you tax you get less of what you incentivize you get more of so i think that's what's going to happen here and, and you said the tax is just 15 cents right now but let's say he bumps it up to 50 cents a buck right. 50 250. It's not unreasonable to think that he's going to, once it's in place, it's a lot easier to raise that tax. And then what you tax, you get less of. So maybe he's hoping that he's going to get fewer rideshare services and more people on the bus. I mean, this is just a way to start the, the roll down the slippery slope, though, in my mind. Because if you're Chicago, you want it on the board that Chicago Uber Lyft riders pay some sort of extra fee toward the city, which goes towards public transportation. 15 cents. If you're taking a lift from here to the airport, it's $25. You're not going to notice an extra 15 right. cents. You're right? right. So in the 15 cent tax, I just did the math. If you're generous and you say that there's going to be 10 million ride shares in Chicago next year, that's $1.5 million for public transit. That's a bus stop. This isn't about next year uh, like just ripping off Chicagoans for a lot of money. This is about 15 years from now where, to your point, that tax starts to creep up. All of a sudden, it's $1.50, and that $1.5 is $15 million, and then you're actually seeing some real income from this thing. Exactly. And that's and you're also going to see then people start to change their behavior. You remember when gas prices started increasing up to $2.50, $3. People start talking about changing the way they drive and wanting to get more fuel-efficient cars. And then it's at three fifty four. Bucks, you know, a little over four dollars. That's when people started changing their behaviors. Yes, because it was hitting them at a point where I cannot sustain this kind of gas price and keep my lifestyle the way it is. Same thing here, though, it, it, and it will be at a certain point that if the tax is so high, people will start then riding the bus, and I think that's what he's looking for. I mean, we'll see. I can't. It's like, to your point. It's going to take a tax of a lot more than fifteen cents or even a dollar fifty to get me to consider going on the bus versus a lift. I know, because it's the bus. Mm-hmm. Ugh. All right, so I was reading a, a blog post by this guy named Jeff Gilbert. Now, Jeff is the automotive reporter for WWJ News Radio 950 in Detroit, and there's no one closer to the automotive industry and community than Jeff is. 
And in, in his blog, Jeff talked about radio in cars. And really, there's no one better to talk to when it comes to what role radio will have in cars of the future because this guy is on the radio, and he also deals with cars and cars of the future. So this time in the radio industry, they're really struggling to keep up with streaming services, podcasts, and and for listeners' ears because there's so many other options out there for, for people's attentions. So this is what Jeff has to say. Even after 20 years of doing auto reviews, he says that his favorite part of the car is the radio. That's interesting. All right. Even as change comes rapidly to vehicles, our industry, the radio industry, has an incredible head start. Here are a few Mm -hmm. things that I have learned. Car companies have no desire to remove terrestrial radio from vehicles. He says for car makers, it's all about giving customers what they want. There's no advantage to car companies to take away traditional radio as they have CD players, cassette players, and 8-tracks. Taking a CD player out of a vehicle reduces weight and improves fuel economy. There's no similar gain from taking out terrestrial radio. Car companies are all about adding choices. So while it means we will deal with a continually smaller pie, radio remains very integrated into every system. And the talk I hear about radio being removed from cars comes from radio people, not car people. AM radio could be a different story as more electrification means more interference. And some brands like BMW and Tesla, notably, have decided the cost of shielding it isn't worth it. Interesting. Because AM radio, if you don't know, it has it's a different kind of antenna. It's usually this bar that's wrapped around in this, this uh, wire coil. And to tune an AM radio, if you have, uh, uh, like I have the standalone radio, and, and you turn it sideways, or you, and that's how you tune the radio. Now, for FM, you have the antenna, and for the most part, FM is... Frequency modulation, AM, is amplitude modulation. It just travels in different ways, the radio waves do. And uh, the AM radio signal, you can pick up, like like I was just picking up this morning, KNX out of Los Angeles, mm-hmm. um, just because of the way the, the signal travels at night. Uh, and FM is a lot easier to put in a car than AM is because, like they said, all the electronics and the shielding and all that kind of thing. Right. Very interesting. But I listen to AM radio or podcasts more than I do FM radio. Oh, see, I'm a total FM radio person, and and I know the stations that I like, and I do think that they have a significant advantage because it's just easier than fiddling with a phone or fiddling with a CD player or really doing much of anything other than just here's the car and here's ninety eight point five. So you know, oh, so you just like to? Would you listen to talk radio? Yeah, I would. If it was on FM, so like, I, uh, like one like KOA now is on FM, right? KOA one hundred four three the fan. I mean, both of those get some play. It's one hundred four three the fan, right? Right. Yeah, so the, both of those get some play, but I mean, my wife and I. 98.5 is fantastic. Shout out to 98.5. There you go. Um, I mean, the morning show personalities there are great, and the music is very good, too. Uh, number two, Jeff says, time is on our side. Something new that appears in vehicles this year will not be in nearly all vehicles for 20 years. So it'll be nearly a decade before it's widespread. The average vehicle on the road today is now about 12 years old. These time spans are only going to grow longer as vehicles become more reliable and more expensive. The clock is not yet ticking as the killer app for bringing internet radio into the vehicle simply has not been invented. Apple CarPlay is a great improvement, but it's still not as easy to use as listening to a radio station. Navigation systems can warn you of traffic problems ahead, but they aren't yet up to the standard of radio traffic reports. And that killer app 
has to stand the test of time. So that 12-year-old car is a 2005 model sold at a time when Blackberries were still the ultimate smartphone and people were just beginning to discover MySpace. Uh, that's pretty interesting because all this, uh, my mother-in-law just got a new car and it has that Apple car thing in it. Okay. But it has to be plugged in, so you can't do it via Bluetooth. Interesting. So you have to have the cord into the phone and then into the car for it to activate, and then you operate it through the phone, um, and then you can get your navigation and all those other things. It was she was asking me how and I've never seen it before, but she was asking me how to how to navigate the thing and how to how to figure it out, and uh, so it was it was neat. But again, it's not that super killer app kind of thing that this guy that he's talking about well that's just it i mean there's nothing else that starts when you turn the car on like fm radio with with my wife's vehicle it has bluetooth audio so her apple syncs up to it it's a 2014 model volkswagen but it takes 15 20 30 seconds for you to get that phone connected to the car that's too long like frankly i'm I'm trying to get in the car and go i don't have time to mess with that simplicity is our friend What looks good doesn't always perform good, and hard-to-use infotainment systems remain the prime area of consumer complaints, even if they are great-looking. Car makers are discovering that futuristic sliders and on-screen displays are poor substitutes for real controls. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. I like the real controls. Volume knobs and buttons are making a comeback. Then there's a whole issue of distracted driving, and somebody who routinely drives about 70 different vehicles a year Some of these systems are extraordinarily distracting. Radio is easy. And for many people, easy is better than personalization. And if that personalization means a lot of work, but you also have to put out a product they want to listen to. Yeah. I I mean, I agree with all of that. I would rather, I mean, and you said it too while you were reading it. Knobs and dials, you know what they are. Sliders you have to physically look at in order to really see what's happening. And that's... Again, it's a small thing, but it's enough of a distraction to really make a difference. Much of what you know about millennials is wrong. Remember when they only wanted to live in cities, preferred their iPhones to cars, and if they had to go somewhere, took public transportation or Uber. They grew up, bought houses in suburbia, and are now the second biggest car buying group behind baby boomers, and they're heading to number one with a bullet or, more likely, an SUV. Let me stop you right there. Millennials got paid is what happened. Millennials have money now, and so millennials are able to become that sort of consumer force that everybody thought they were going to be. But it took a few extra years compared to previous generations. That's right, because everything is more expensive now, housing, well, and then property. Growing up, growing up has slowed down, too. I mean, we're going to be alive till we're 90 now. So my parents, where they're at the age where they would have been retiring in a different generation, are all set to work another 15 years in this generation. He continues... There's been a lot of talk about younger people being willing to be more into ride-sharing and other new mobility ventures. It seems to be true in urban areas where a vehicle can be a liability, but as they move into the suburbs, priorities change. Remember, people don't buy vehicles for their everyday capacity. They buy them for their maximum capacity. Mm. SUVs are popular because they can carry a lot of people when we need to. Get through bad weather when we need to and haul stuff when we need to. Even though we generally only have those needs a few times a year, we want that capability. That will keep people buying vehicles equipped with radios, compelling programming. will keep them listening to the radio while they're driving those SUVs. That is a great point because I do things in that exact same vein. Yeah. I will have something in my house or I'll have some kind of technology 
because I don't need it every day, but when I need it, I need it and I want it. And so I will buy, we have one SUV because there are times where I need that extra space. Yep, absolutely. Need the extra space or you need the capability of driving through the heavy snow. Yes. And that's something that's a real concern up here. And I think it affects everybody's car car buying decisions. And lastly, Jeff says, it'll be a while before drivers can take their eyes off the road. Someday, everybody in a vehicle will be able to watch videos or do something else while the vehicle is doing all the driving. But there's still a lot of hype. And while we're seeing crash prevention systems now, and we'll soon see some limited automation shuttles and robo-taxis, the operative word is limited. Nobody yet has a firm idea when you and I will be able to buy an affordable self-driving car that could take us anywhere we want to go. So audio will remain the key medium in vehicles for a while and factoring in the possibility of car sickness, perhaps even after self-driving vehicles debut. You can follow Jeff on Twitter. And his uh, handle is at Jeffrey Gilbert on Twitter. Well, when video podcasts become the norm, this podcast will still be here to guide you through your journey wherever you may be. We have to do a video podcast? I mean, we're talking 15, 20 years from now, right? I don't want to do a video. I like audio podcasts. It's better not to look at me while I'm doing this show. Well, that you, you have to have like, right? <laughs> so, well, you so yeah, there, you know that best. There's no production team. It's just six GoPros, and I have a series of buttons over here to switch between cameras. That's our entire video setup. That's it. Yep. But then do we have to sync up? Do, do the GoPros record the audio, and then it all is oh. all synced up together? How does all that work? That's way too many questions. Though. Honestly. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of work that goes into this program right here, Joseph. Yes. A lot of audio preparation and post editing yep yes sir all of that it's it's well complicated yes complicated uh anyway so that was a wonderful 50th edition i can't believe we've done this for a year and we've been doing 50 episodes here's the 50 more man and many more beyond that there you go well anyway we we appreciate any questions comments concerns you can send it our way uh i'm at denver 7 traffic on the old twitter i'm at Joseph Denver 7 on the old Twitter. Yes, and uh, so you can always reach out to us and uh, send us uh, questions, comments, anything. We'd like to, and we'd like to get some of those uh, 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 reviews on the on the Apple deal. Yeah, iTunes. <laughs> Review us. That's it. That's Immediately. That's the difference between me, old guy, and you, young guy. Millennials. Them millennials. Goodness. Anyway, thanks again for listening. Thanks again for being here. Until next time, I'm Jason Looper, the Traffic Guy. I'm Hyperloop-inspired transit advocate Joseph Peters. Be safe and as always, happy motoring. <laughs>